November 7th, 2020, and you are listening to Sam Walking in the World, episode 32. This is the fastest growing podcast in all of an old top terrace, and as always, the thoughts of a guy who used to be unhappy, just trying to live like he wants to be when he dies. Guten Tag, Kia Niihau, top of the morning, and a big fat hello to all my devoted listeners throughout four continents and both hemispheres. I am very grateful to all of you, and as always, I am thrilled to hear you listening to the sound of my voice. Now, I want to start today's episode with two words, China collusion. Clearly, Biden colluded with China in order to win this election, if he does end up winning it. There is no doubt that due to his business entanglements with China, China exercised all of their will on the American people to create fraud favoring the Biden campaign so as to win him this election so that they can now reap what they've sown China will be able to determine our foreign policy, perhaps even our domestic policy. They will be able to steal intellectual information. They will be treated as equal trading partners, even though they treat us unfairly in terms of trade. Um, They will probably triple or quadruple the number of Chinese food restaurants in America. And through a systematic process, poison us all with MSG. Why do I say all this? Because Biden won. Biden won and it must not have been possible that more people wanted him to win than Trump. I could go into a whole host of reasons. But, again, this election came down to two words, China collusion. So, that being said, that that being the conclusion that is clearly drawn from this outcome, I believe it is imperative, being that Trump has the presidency until January, should he lose, if he wins, he has it for four more years, but should he lose during his lame duck session, he would strategize with his FBI and CIA to find out who among Biden's cabinet and staff is the weak link to China. Obviously that was, I would start if I were the FBI with his son and I would definitely go to the FISA court and I would get, um, warrants to to listen in on phone conversations to tap offices do anything that's necessary legal or illegal or I'm, I'm sorry I don't mean illegal I mean um improperly conducted in a way that requires us later on to say that we really need to clean that up maybe 16 or 17 violations per FISA warrant to get those FISA warrants to be able to I, I, it's not spying it's not spying. It's it's trying to get to the bottom of an injustice, the China collusion injustice. And then we can use that information to be able to uh, create a narrative in the media. And then we will have all the media networks cover China collusion for the, for the, the foreseeable future under a Biden presidency. Uh, and it, clearly it will create an air of illegitimacy. I mean... Uh, I've heard it uh, hundreds of times, thousands of times probably, that the the Trump administration was uh, illegitimate because of Russia collusion. And it's true, obviously, right? There's no evidence. But evidence isn't needed. Um, Evidence isn't needed. It just has to seem like it. Or actually, it doesn't even have to seem like it. Now, in this case, it really does seem like it might be possible because of, of Hunter... Biden's actual entanglements and and Jim Biden's entanglements, business dealings where they've traded, it appears at least that they've traded influence for money. Now that it is President Biden, their investment, China's investment in Joe Biden Inc. has paid off. 
That is the narrative. Is there evidence that Joe Biden himself is involved? Not yet. But that's why we need to spend three years looking. And we need to make sure that everyone understands this is an illegitimate presidency should it happen. China collusion. China collusion. China collusion. China collusion. China collusion. All right. Everybody understand? Get my drift out there? That is not how conservatives play. Conservatives accept the outcome of elections, even if they may believe that it's illegitimate. Take a second to let that sink in. Conservatives accept the outcome of elections. The loser doesn't go around on uh, every talk show talking about how it was stolen from her or him. <clears throat> but since we're on the topic, let's take a second and and keep score of what happened in this election. Let's presume that Joe Biden wins illegitimately because of the Chinese. And he, um, he, the Democrats hold the executive branch, the presidency. Now, I'm a little bit nervous about what they might do with the FBI, but there's no president to investigate unless they would just, they're so used to investigating, the, the FBI would just turn around and investigate Biden. I have a feeling that they're not going to do that, though. So the Democrats have, <clears throat> have the executive branch. It looks like the Republicans are going to hold the Senate. Uh, the reason I say that is because of the two runoff elections in Georgia. I've, I've heard, I, I don't even know really what I believe, but I've heard from credible sources that it's likely that the Republicans will hold those two seats during the runoff those of you who don't know, you need to have a runoff in a Senate election if if uh, neither candidate gets 50% of the vote or more, which has not happened in Georgia in both Senate elections. And so there um, is going to be a runoff. And the reason I, I say that I've heard other people say that, that we should be confident that Republicans are going to win both of those is because um, in many of the um, on many of the ballots for president, people only filled in the the election for presidency. They put Joe Biden. They, they didn't even vote in the, or, or Trump. They didn't even vote in the, um, in the Senate elections. Many, many. Of course, many, many did. But the point is that the main reason why people were coming out to vote in this election was to in Georgia, at least, was to get rid of Trump. They, there didn't appear to be great concern about the Senate. And so in January, when they have the runoff, um, Trump will not be on the ballot. And I wonder what enthusiasm will be able to be generated against Republican candidates for Senate without the giant orange mean man to hate. And it's kind of interesting because um, without Trump on the ballot, it makes you wonder what was the reason, what were, what were the other reasons why Biden voters voted for Biden besides Trump? I, I, I wonder, was it the economy? No, the economy was doing very well before COVID. Um, well, maybe it was COVID and they wanted to get rid of COVID. Well, now, since Biden is elected, COVID is gone. I think it's gone already. He's not even sworn in. Maybe it'll take a little while for COVID to go away. But we'll, definitely the turning point in COVID, um, you know, the, in the disappearance of COVID, the, the dwindling out, the curing of COVID. Certainly the, the main difference that will turn the tide in terms of the rate at which we can get rid of it is is whether or not Biden is president. You know, the, pre the whoever's in the office of president is obviously the cause of whether or not COVID goes up or down. And now that Biden is president, or is going to be president, it looks like, I wonder if COVID knows for sure how these counts are going to turn out and whether or not it's going to be Biden. And, or or it's, if it's unsure if it's still going to be Trump. Because if COVID finds out for sure, that Biden is going to win, it's going to start going away. 
clearly, because Trump won't be there to not wear his mask. And Biden is always wearing his mask. So COVID is going to see that and be like, all right, time to go. Um, um, but it doesn't know yet. So I bet COVID sticks around for a little while. Then when it becomes clear that Biden is, unless COVID has inside information that we don't know, but once it's clear that Biden is going to win the election, then COVID is going to just, you know, drift off into that good night. And then everyone will be fine. So then there'll be, and I bet that does happen by January, by the time of the Senate runoffs. I bet we'll all know, and, and including COVID, who the president is, and then it'll it'll know to disappear. So by the time the runoff election comes in, in, in Georgia, there will be no mean orange man and there will be no COVID, or at least it'll be, you know, dwindling at a rate we can predict that it's going to be gone. Our lives will be able to go back to normal because of Biden wearing his mask. And so what will these voters come out for? The number one and number two issues in whichever order you want to put them were, were, were how awful Trump was and how awful COVID was. Without them there, I mean, to just thinking, I'm spitballing. What reason would they have to come out in droves to vote Democrat? The economy will probably be turning around. Um, if 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 policies remain the same, uh, Biden probably will not have time to implement anything. But again, the economy knows that Biden is coming in. This economy was due to Obama policies. And... Um, Trump just got to reap the benefits of a good economy because of the growth that was injected in that. Uh, it's almost like one of those medicines you take that has a, a delayed response. Uh, all of the Obama policies had kind of this delayed response. It took eight years. So the response must be like in years nine, 10 and 11, Obama policy affects the economy. And then Trump just benefited from it. And so now Biden's going to be able to, go back to the Obama policies, which will continue to create wealth. So the economy will know that Biden slash Obama policies are going to be coming and the, and the economy will continue to grow. So it won't be because of the economy that they might come out in droves to vote Democrat and Georgia runoffs. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, they'll know that Biden is going to uh, reopen the border. Maybe knock down the wall, maybe. I'm not even sure if it's going to, but whatever policies Biden is gonna is going to institute, people will be able to take heart in that. So I just I'm wondering what it is. What will they what will be this driving force that brings out Democrats to vote in Georgia for, for senatorial elections? Senatorial. So I have a feeling, I guess what I'm getting back to is I have a feeling that Republicans are gonna hold those two seats and then retain the and due to that retain the Senate. So we'll have a Democrat president, a Republican Senate, and, and a Democratic House in which 12 seats are lost. The great Nancy Pelosi lost 12 seats in the House. I don't understand why. I mean, that's where their best people are. Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar, uh, whatever her name is, Presley. Representative Presley, the the squad, and then you got, um, and then the Supreme Court. I couldn't think of that last person in the House. I was trying to think of, uh, but but then then the Supreme Court leans conservative because of Amy Coney Barrett. So, I just wonder what. Like I've always said, America is not divided; it is balanced. And all the stuff that everyone was afraid of, well, not everyone, but Republicans, conservatives were afraid of, like packing the court and uh, eliminating the filibuster and um, adding Supreme Court. Oh, no, I already said that. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, adding states. Adding the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico as states to be able to gain four more senators. It's presumed that they would gain four more senators. We don't know. I mean, um, a, a much higher percentage of the Latino vote went to Trump than as, has ever gone to any president. So if that continues to be a trend, who knows if Puerto Rico is going to add Democrat senators? It may, it may split. It might be 
might be both Republican senators, depending on the well, the desires of the Puerto Rican, you know, lat, the Latino um, vote in the United States, what their leanings are, their political leanings and philosophy and ideology. A lot of them are very working class, most, I would say. I think that's why they identify with Trump, but but either way, that won't be able to happen because the Senate is retained by uh, the Republicans. And so should any executive order be made? I honestly don't know. I'm going to have to look into this. Can an executive order eliminate the Trump tax cuts? Well, anyone knows, let me know. Um, because if any executive order extends beyond the jurisdiction of the executive branch, there will probably be a lawsuit or injunction filed, which will go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court leans conservative now. So uh, uh, Biden will actually have to adhere to the Constitution. Talk about balance. He can push his agenda as far as hard as he wants, and it will be checked by the Supreme Court against the Constitution to make sure that everything is legal. So I, I feel very comfortable and I also, like I said before, um, people will now get to drive the car they bought. Let's see what happens with the economy if if the Bush, I mean, if the Bush, if the Trump tax cuts are rescinded. Let's see how the southern states feel if the border is knocked down. Let's see how people feel about America if if uh, if Biden um, reverses trade deals. You know, re-enters uh, whatever trade agreement that was. Uh, wasn't NAFTA. It goes back to the old NAFTA, not the restructured NAFTA, uh, as uh, according to Trump. And then the other one was, will he rejoin the Paris Accords? Will we immediately cut fossil fuels by, by some inordinate number uh, and, and place regulations and probably expenses on our own automotive industry, airline industry, energy production industries, which would probably cause us more money, cost us more money. How will, how will people feel about America? How will Americans feel? We don't know. We don't know. That, that all is something we'll get to watch, but those are all the inner workings of the car people bought. You get to find out. And I wonder if a couple of years down the road we might see that car pulled over on the side of the road with smoke coming out of the radiator. Maybe the Trump mobile has to come and tow it. Uh, which is another interesting question. Trump Trump could run if he loses. He could run in 2024. He's going to live to be 150. So he may well be able to do that. I wonder who he chooses as running mate. I wonder. Maybe Kanye? Trump Kanye? Sounds like a, that sounds like a ticket. Oh, anyway, thanks for keeping up with all that. I was just kind of uh, saying whatever came to my mind, which is what I often do. And so, anyway, China collusion. I will be China collusion, back China collusion, after this China collusion message. <laughs> Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World. This is episode 32. Happy to have you back. Happy to be back. Um, I wanted to also talk a little bit about my theory on the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, I had this thought a while ago, and I just kind of been putting it off because other news seemed like it was more important. But I was thinking about it, and, and there are some things I think people have looked past in their fervor to find out what was on the laptop and what um, you know consequences it might have for the people that it uh, compromised, so to speak, um, the videos, the pictures. Um, people were so enthralled with the contents of the laptop that I think they flew right past something that is a very interesting question. And that is this. How? Did it come to be that Hunter Biden forgot or left? Let's just say left, because that's the, the actual bare fact that he left his laptop at a small repair shop in Delaware. 
how did he leave it there? How did it come to be that it was left there? It's his, so we have to conclude he left it there. Um, and, and not retrieve it right away. He left it long enough, just so people know, he left it long enough to surpass the legal limit of possession. It was The possession was forfeited to the owner of the shop. That's how long Hunter Biden left it there. So I guess we could conclude that he abandoned it there, either intentionally or unintentionally. But I think a lot of people look right past that question. How did that happen? Now, whether or not the contents of the laptop um, you know, destroys the reputations of people or, or injures uh, Joe Biden in some way as he approaches a potential presidency, or at the time it was during the campaign. So... I'm going to give you my theory, and it's not really my theory. Just um, hear me out and tell me if you don't think there might be some possibility to it, some some potential credibility to this. And I don't know anything. I'm just asking questions because that was the thought that I kept on mulling over. How did he leave it there? And um, and why? If it was intentional, why? Could I mean it could be that he was just you know in a blackout drunk high state and forgot he forgot he even brought it there um that that could be why um it could be that he has so many laptops he didn't even remember um but what what uh, hear me out and tell me what you think well you can't really tell me but think about this he could afford there's he's there's oh my god china collusion here are some questions that I came up with that I don't really have answers to. And when you look at them all together, you have to think, wow, I thought, wow. One, since Hunter could afford a thousand new laptops, why get it repaired at all? Why get it repaired at all? Why not just buy a new laptop? The only reasonable answer to that would be because the, because the stuff on it was was valuable to him in some way, for good or bad, the information, the videos, the uh, text messages, the emails, whatever it was, must have been valuable enough for him to to need it repaired, if he wanted to transfer it perhaps to a new laptop. So just simply buying a new laptop wouldn't suffice for him even he could afford a thousand new ones so it's not just that he needed to have a laptop it was that apparently the information on that he wanted to to keep to to keep you know available to him question two if it was enough value to him that he would go through the trouble of repairing it is it reasonable to think he would simply forget it or abandon it to the point of legal forfeiture of ownership? If he went through the trouble of bringing it, is it reasonable to think he would forget it? Would I? No. Uh, would you? Well, I guess ask yourself. If you had information on a laptop that you wanted to keep, maintain, preserve, however you want to put it, and to the point where you brought it to a place where you're going to have to pay. Not that money probably matters to him. Shannon collusion. Um, you would you would take it to the shop and it would obviously be because you cared about the information on it. You cer I certainly wouldn't forget about it. Then again, I would need my laptop back because I can't buy a thousand. But even more than to the point, he can and still... Uh, brought it there. Question three. Knowing the potential damage that the information on it could cause, why wouldn't he either destroy it, right? If he, if he didn't want that information to get out, and he was afraid of that, and that's why the information was valid to him, why not just destroy it? Why bring it to a, a place to get it repaired when you could simply destroy it. And that would take care of making sure that that information didn't get out, harm anybody, compromise anybody. Or if the information had sentimental value of some kind, 
I'm sure he would have retrieved it. So either destroy it, don't even bring it there, destroy it, or bring it, but then certainly retrieve it. What other possibility could there be posited with these assumptions given? He wanted the material to be preserved. He knew it was damaged, damaging information, particularly to his father and himself. He could not reasonably have forgotten it. So other than he intended for the material to be made available to the world, could that possibly be it? He wanted the material preserved. He didn't want the laptop back. Or didn't care that it was left. Clearly he knew it was there. I mean, what, I mean, what reasonable conclusion can you draw? Is it reasonable to conclude that he intended for that information to get out? He did complain when he was um, emailing his daughter that he said, you know, I won't be taking 10% of your income the way my father did with me. So clearly he was uh, he was put off by having to share money with his father for whatever kind of money. Let's presume it's not even uh, illegal or, or nefarious in any way. Let's just we, we, he, one of the things on the on the laptop was an email to his daughter that said, I will not be taking 10 percent of your income the way dad does with me. So he was kind of miffed. Is it possible that he was in a some kind of conflict with his father? Openly or secretly. And he thought, screw you, Dad. Isn't that an interesting question? I mean, it's worth asking. And I honestly, honestly, I really don't care. But I just couldn't get my mind past that. I like to kind of clear things up if I still have questions. Sometimes you can't. You have to just wait and see. Usually the universe ends up giving you the answer. Or telling you that it doesn't matter. I already think it doesn't matter. But why did he do that? With that, I will take another quick break. And I will talk about um, the potential differences in a Trump second term and a Biden first term. I'll be back after this. Oh, also, I'm introducing a new part, um, the world's coolest educator. Uh, we'll share some thoughts with you uh, on uh, the election. I'll be back after this. Hey, this is a man stuck in a boy's body. This podcast is good and unbiased. Um, remember to look at both sides when you vote. That's all I have to say for today. Everybody have a great day. Welcome back to Sam Walking World. My thanks, of course, to a man stuck in a boy's body, Hayden. And now, as promised, here are some words of wisdom from the world's coolest educator. Here's the thing, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you're ultra-conservative or ultra-liberal, the bottom line is information. We have to rely on the media to give us information. When we, when we Google things, we're relying on the media to give us correct information. And unfortunately right now, we have mainstream media that just puts out their own agenda clearly their own agenda. They put little pieces that fit up to a whole puzzle of their agenda. And the problem with that is they're telling us what they want to happen. They're not telling us what is actually happening. So the problem with that is, forget about politics right now, now let's look at COVID. So nobody really knows what to do. Do we have small gatherings? Do we have no gatherings? Is, there good, is the vaccine good? Is it not going to be good? We are right now the victim of a society that 100% believes and trusts mainstream media that have proven time and time again to be wrong. Two elections in a row, they guaranteed that Biden was going to win, Hillary was going to win. So then therefore, people thought, why should I even go and vote? Because my candidate's not going to win. So now, a bigger issue, COVID, people have no idea right now what to do, who to trust. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 20, I'm sorry, 32. That message was brought to you by the world's coolest educator. Now, I'm going to take a break from this foolishness of the election and politics, and I'm going to talk about actual uh, life for a minute. 
I want to talk about God. It's funny because like that's what um, like Jehovah's Witnesses or the um, the Mormon missionaries say when they come to your house and knock on your door. I see them walking around in their black suits, and um, I, as you know, believe in God. And it is such a beautiful morning. Um, I have my little tiki torch burning outside the man cave. I'm looking at the flame right now. And it is very soothing to both myself and to Sadie. And it's still a a, a bluish black sky. Many stars are out. Such incredible weather for November. And this is a, a word to the wise. When... Summer is ending and fall is beginning. Before we jump our minds all the way to, oh no, winter is coming. I think it's important to stay in the moment and realize how beautiful November can be. Now, it can also be sleety and disgusting and mushy and rainy. But sometimes we get days like this, weeks like this. It's going to be in the 70s again today. Um, Is this transition occurs between fall and winter and it got me thinking about god as i was looking at the sky and the bright stars and honestly i don't mean to be creepy here but i really do i think about god and i want to i want to ask you a logical question about god first of all i thank god since i believe in him or her or whatever that force is um for good, I believe. I believe it was the creating force, and I believe it is a good force. So those are the two things I believe about God. And I've also I've already gone into um, why I believe it, uh, we were created. Uh, I'll just quickly remind you: it was that uh, the miracle that appears to me to be a miracle, which is either life always was, or life wasn't, and then began. That's crazy to me. Either way, it seems miraculous and unexplainable, but. With that presumed, I was thinking about God as I began my day. And um, to those of you who don't believe in God, um, I still wish you well. I hope you enjoy all of the fruits of, of what I believe are God's labor. But as you go, if you don't believe in God, I wish you luck as you go through your day. And I sincerely mean this. As you go through your meaningless day of irrelevance that will never be remembered in 400 years and doesn't really matter what you do. But at the same time, I wish you well. Now, I want to talk for a second about the logic of God, which seems like two incompatible ideas. And as I was thinking, a good friend suggested that I think about this, and because I have a very rational mind, I like to think, and I need things to be explained, and I like to understand them in rational terms. Even if there aren't answers, I like to understand the unanswerable questions in rational terms. And so it led me to this question. My good friend said, there's really only two possibilities. Either there is a God and God is has a hand in everything. And I don't know if he actually directs events, but if there is a God, then God must be everything. That's the nature of God. right? If we can agree on the fact that God means supernatural, creator, um, I guess, potential mover, right? If there's a God, God must be everything. Or God is nothing. There is no God and nothing means anything. I don't know what a person's explanation would be for how we're here. But let's just say that we could have occurred accidentally. But I'm pretty sure we all agree that we are here. I think Descartes took care of that one when he said, I think, therefore I am. You know, it was his way of proving that we're not inside of some illusion. But either way, even if we are inside an illusion, we have the consciousness of ourself. So we are here. Wherever you are, we're there. And so God is everything or God is nothing. Just take a second and think about it. There's no third choice. There's no sometimes God or sort of God. There's no, I believe there's a God now, I don't believe there's a God later. I guess you could go through that process, but it's going to be either or. And I think for a long time, I was living in the maybe. 
I was living in the maybe. I was living in that no man's land in between there is a God and there is no God. And I just went about <clears throat> the actions of my life, depressed sort of, because part of me believed there wasn't a God and, I, and there was no purpose to anything, including my life. And then things would happen in my life, you know, while I wasn't consciously thinking about whether or not there's a God, and incredible things would happen, incredible feelings would occur. Incredible thoughts, incredible creations. Um, just great, great pleasures. And I don't mean hedonistic pleasures, although there are some of those. I tended to pursue my hedonistic pleasures when I believed there wasn't a God. I think the depression of it, um, the meaninglessness of it, led me to do things that were just simply pleasure-seeking. You can imagine some of them. I'm sure you do some of them. But I was stuck in that middle area. And I thought, you know, my good friend said, why don't you choose um, and live your life that way? You know, be decisive. Since there is no third path, right, when you get to the fork in the road, you cannot continue straight into the tree. Although I guess you can start, you can go around the tree and start wandering your way through that forest in the middle in between God is and God isn't. And, um, I, but I believe it's a, <clears throat> it, first of all, it's an imaginary forest. It doesn't exist. And inside it, it's possible to imagine terrible things. Try to imagine good things. But since you haven't decided, you're not sure what's what, really. So God is everything or God is nothing. It has to be that way. I used to get into arguments with my brother about whether or not you can choose to believe in God, whether or not you can choose to have faith. I was always, a, I was always of the opinion that you either did or you didn't. It just was. But then I ran into the problem of I didn't know which one I believed. So I had to, I, I ended up having to choose. And like I said before, while I was wandering in the forest in between the two roads, I would, I would sometimes see what I guess I could only describe as miraculous things. Not only that we're here, which is miraculous, but love, pure joy, <clears throat> fun, peace. Uh, a higher kind of satisfaction in what I guess I came to start thinking of as my soul. I don't know what that is, but I know it's a deep feeling of goodness. That's why I also include God, God is good in part of my explanation of God. God is the creator and God is good, or at least wants good. Because it seems to be the most natural pleasure. I never, ever feel good after doing purely hedonistic things. I feel great during them. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But after, there's, there's not a pure pleasure, a pure feeling of goodness. And when I do those things, I feel it in a deeper way. And the only way that I can describe it to myself is in my soul, to love and be loved back. To see the eyes of my puppy giving pure love the innocence of children the curiosity of elementary school and middle school kids <clears throat> watching people grow watching people for some reason develop into something better aspiring to be better it really is miraculous i, I do it myself and I, I, I waver. My faith isn't pure. I waver. Sometimes I'll, I'll start listing toward the forest off the road. And then I'll, I'll feel it, though. I'll feel it, I guess, in what I can call my soul. And it'll get me back on track. I have regular ways of reminding myself that God is everything or God is nothing. I suggest, just, you know, as a buddy, I suggest that you find something daily that consciously reminds yourself that you must choose between those two things. Because if you're wandering through the forest, you're going to always be in flux. 
but you will still get reminders of the goodness that is on one of the roads. Now that may be a bunch of BS to some of you, and to those of you who are sure you don't believe in a God, I, I don't want to interrupt your ability to move meaninglessly through your purposeless life that um, will be finite and then mean nothing in 400 years, if the earth still exists. But it doesn't really matter if it does or doesn't to you. Anyway, so, but I'm not casting any aspersions on you. I, I wish you well. For me, God is, and it makes my life really good. So with that, I will take a break, and then I will get back to the more destructive things like politics. I'll be back after this. Milkman. The milkman believes in God. He looks into the eyes of his calves and thinks about the wonder of how they came to be calves. But anyway, back to politics. And I'm sorry that there were wasn't that much, you know, else in this episode, stupid stuff, lifey stuff. Um, sometimes those things occur to me during the week and sometimes they don't. And so this is my podcast and this is what you get. So I wanted to do one more analysis politically of um, a topic of the election and um, wh- wh- which way it will go. Um, and I want to talk about a couple of premises. If, I, if you follow me, you'll understand where I'm going with this. Now, one premise is that Joe Biden should be elected because he will bring integrity back to the office. Right? It won't be an, there won't be an embarrassment in the Oval Office. A mean orange man. He will restore the dignity and integrity to the office. Now, that's a great... That's a great um, ideal. And if it's true, then it ought to be. But I think it's always important to play the devil's advocate. Since Trump is the devil, let me be his advocate for a moment. What for? Let's say for the sake of argument that Biden is a dignified man, but is also the things that people on the other side fear that he is, which is, generally a socialist or or will fold to socialist leanings right his agenda will be driven by socialism socialized medicine um open borders um less policing um you know, and then the other woke things like automatically presume white privilege uh, systemic bias um uh, transfer wealth from the rich to the poor by, by taxing them, all, all those things. Let's just call that socialist for now, just to, to give it a name. What if Biden is a dignified man who does bring integrity back to the office, but is also those things, socialist things? Let's say, for example, that he he's dignified, but he socializes health care. What will be more important to people, the health care part or the dignity part? If he raises taxes on people and businesses, which he said he'll do on day one. I'm not sure if he can without the Senate, but but he does it in a dignified way with integrity. What if he eliminates fossil fuel production like oil and fracking, which he said and then not said and said and then not said. But suppose he eliminates fracking to please his base or because he thinks it's the right thing to do and eliminates natural gas, which, by the way, produces 70% of our electricity. Natural gas produces 70% of our electricity. So, And uh, please look that up. As you're driving around in your battery-powered car, just so you understand where 70% of the energy came from, please look it up. Um, let's say he brings integrity and dignity back to the office, but he's financially compromised by Chinese influence. And we know that Chinese money went to Hunter Biden's company. We know that for a fact. That's not what we're arguing about. We're arguing about whether or not it matters. Let's just, playing the devil's advocate, say, for the sake of argument, that he is more likely to treat China with kid gloves because they've. it's a kind of a quid pro quo for the money that they've invested in, in Biden, Inc. Let's say he. it is with great dignity and integrity that he tears down the wall on the southern border and decriminalizes illegal immigration. How will the people in Arizona, Southern California, Texas, how will they feel 
with this great influx of illegal immigration. If it's it, considering that it is done by a dignified man who has integrity and has restored dignity to the office. It isn't a, 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 a mean orange man doing it. It's a good person doing it. How much will it matter if, in fact, let's say Joe is a man of integrity and dignity? Will it matter as much as those things? And now let's take a look at Trump. Let's take a look at this premise. Suppose Trump should not be elected because he is a, quote, racist. No, not whether or not I believe that. I, I don't believe he is a racist. But let's just say for the sake of argument that Trump should not be elected and Biden should because one of the terrible things, the most terrible thing and most important terrible thing about Trump is that he is racist. And he's an awful orange man who doesn't have any dignity, which would be fit a racist. So let's, again, let's play the devil's advocate. Let's say, let's say Trump is a racist, but he also does these things, has done these things, and let's presume would do again. Let's say this racist man implements prison reform, like the First Step Act, where people are released from prison for drug crimes from years ago when they were over-sentenced by the 1994 crime bill. Which Biden has gone on record and said numerous times that the drug users need to be locked up because then without the demand, there, there will be no drug problem in America. That's a quote. And at least the quote about we need to go after the users. That's Joe Biden, circa 1990. Let's say Trump is a racist but lowered the black unemployment rate, which he did. It was the lowest in American history before COVID. Before Trump brought COVID. Before he brought COVID, he lowered the black unemployment rate, despite being a racist. Would it matter that much if he's a racist, if he lowered the black unemployment rate and implemented prison reform? For, it affected predominantly African Americans that were locked up for drug crimes, which he implemented in the 1994 crime bill. Let's just say this racist did those things. Let's say this racist invested in black-owned businesses and helped revitalize the economic growth in black communities with the Platinum Plan, which has been heralded by numerous noteworthy African Americans like Ice Cube, um, Lil Easy, a Lil Wayne, um, Kanye West, 50 Cent. Although I think he's wavering because sometimes I think maybe he's walking through the forest in between the two roads, if you know what I mean, with uh, Chelsea Handler. Wow, is she crazy. But anyway, let's continue with our premise. Let's suppose this racist brings down prescription drug prices by creating competition, allowing the free market, free market capitalism to, to cause competition and, and end up benefiting the consumer as we know it always does, by bringing costs down and quality up due to competition to offer the consumer a better product at a cheaper price instead of having regulations that prevent that. Let's say this racist creates an environment where there is a thriving stock market, which there has been. Let's say this racist creates numerous jobs, millions and millions of jobs, in the energy industry, um, and in general, in the construction industry, um, an expansion of the economy that causes the stock market to be flooded with investment and stocks to go up, which it has. Everyone's 401k. Done much better under this um, racist who has no integrity. Wages, the average wage, especially among lower income people, wages, wa wages went up to record levels during this racist's uh, term in office. Suppose he keeps peace, facilitates peace around the world, doesn't get us entangled in any foreign wars or um, you know, conflicts. Let's suppose this racist um, maintains uh, at least the status quo with North Korea, preventing them from expanding their missile testing. 
which appears to have occurred. At one time, we considered that like we're on the brink of extinction, and then it went away. I don't see that on, on, on the front page or any page of paper or websites. Let's suppose this racist supports law enforcement, creates a, an environment of calm and security where businesses feel like they're not going to be looted. You know, where, where people that live in the inner city who don't want gang violence are able to live peacefully because law enforcement is supported. What if this racist who has no integrity and no dignity in the Oval Office did all of these things? Which would matter more, these things or the fact that he's a racist? Now, I've said I don't believe he is. I'm just saying this for the sake of argument, playing devil's advocate. Which would matter more? I think it's something to think about because we're always given these premises and then um, sometimes we don't take the time to look at what's actually done how it actually affects our lives, whether or not somebody else is a racist or whether or not somebody is, is either a person of no dignity and no integrity or they are a person of dignity and integrity. In what way are we affected? Something to think about. And with that, I believe I have bent your ear enough. I, as always, I thank you so much for listening. I've had fun doing this. And I will see you again probably shortly, given the times we're in. Adios. Mm -hmm.